Welcome to Fruitbox, Fruitnet's series of fresh fruit and vegetable conversations with me, Chris White. Every week I talk down the line from my studio here in London with people from across the world of fresh produce about some of the biggest issues they face in business today. These 15-minute conversations twice every week give you some really good insight into how to do better business in fresh fruits and vegetables. Since we launched only a few weeks ago, we're getting loads of interest. Close to 2,000 people in the business have tuned in to listen to this first handful of conversations. It shows the real interest there is out there for great insight and new ideas. And that's what I want these conversations to be all about. Today on Fruitbox, I want to talk about citrus and how it's become one of the hottest items in global business today. What's the future of fresh citrus and what challenges might this category face in future? Joining me down the line to talk about all of this today is Justin Chadwick. He's the chief executive of the Citrus Growers Association of South Africa. Hi, Justin. Welcome to Fruitbox. Hi, Chris. It's nice to be with you. Justin, South Africa is the leading grower of, and exporter of citrus fruit in the Southern Hemisphere and therefore one of the largest growers and exporters in the world. You've seen a real boom in export sales of citrus from South Africa over the last you know, 10 to 15 years. What's driven this huge growth and have new consumers been discovering fresh citrus for the first time? Is that what's behind it? Yeah, Chris, definitely. If you ask what's driven the boom, uh, there's only one word to answer that that's Asia. Um, if one looks at the South African citrus exports, uh, we got access to China in 2004. So at that time, officially, there was no um, fruit going from South Africa to China. And from that zero in 2004, we exported 180,000 tons in 2018. So a massive increase in volumes going to China. We've also seen uh, bigger volumes going into Bangladesh and Malaysia for example, and many other uh, Asian destinations. So definitely Asia's driven it. Just as an example, South Korea have taken a huge liking to grapefruit, uh, and um, we've, we've seen massive volumes going to grapefruit, uh, of grapefruit going to South Korea, uh, almost equaling the amount that we send into our traditional Japanese market. So definitely um, Asia has driven a lot of the, the, the growth. Uh, in terms of the, 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 the types of citrus, um, definitely lemons, uh, have, have taken off in terms of, of volumes exported. And that's largely due to health and wellness aspects of, of lemons. A lot of people feel that um, they're a good fruit to eat in terms of, of making you healthy. On the soft citrus side, which is the other big uh, growth, uh, it's mostly been around convenience. They're very convenient uh, fruit to eat, um, to put into kids' snack boxes, etc. So those are the two categories that have really grown in, in volumes. And do you think that this uh, growth that you've seen in, in Asia that you've just talked about, um, there's still a huge potential for future growth there, isn't there? We, we believe so. Uh, we believe that um, the growth in Asia will continue. And just to give you some example, I gave you those China volumes, and, and that excludes lemons completely because lemons uh, cannot uh, take the cold treatment that's required to send fruit into China. So we're in the process now uh, of negotiating the Chinese authorities to change the lemon protocol because the lemons aren't host to the, the pests of concern. We do understand other countries are also engaging China in terms of the lemon protocols from those countries. So that'll immediately uh, unlock lemon potential into China. Uh, in India, for example, where you have a lot of vegetarians, a lot of people eat uh, citrus, 
we haven't been seeing the full potential there because we aren't allowed to send the fruit uh, in transit cold treatment on the ships. So in other words, we have to treat the fruit before it goes, and that adds to the risks and de decreases the shelf life. So there's big potential in India. But if we even move beyond Asia, if we move to the USA, for example, we only have access for a limited part of South Africa at the moment into the USA. And there's a final rule to include the rest of South Africa, which should also increase our ability to, to ship more into, into the US. And then the Philippines and Vietnam, we're, we're quite well progressed in terms of getting access into those markets. And then finally, Japan, um, we're only allowed to send one variety of soft citrus into that market. Uh, but we do know that market uh, would be able to take a lot more of the increased volumes that we have available. So, so a lot of it has been about, you know, more consumers are, are buying citrus all over the world, in particular in Asia. But if we turn to your mature markets here in, in Western Europe, um, I think all the, all the growth that you've had over the last number of years has been in, in products like Easy Peelers and, and Lemons. And yet you're a big producer in South Africa and there are many oranges and grapefruit available um, everywhere else in the world. Um, and you're all affected by this, which is a, a kind of a, a steady decline in demand for oranges and grapefruits. I think I'm right in saying what, what do you need to do to engineer group new growth in these in these categories in in Western Europe? Yeah, so in, in terms of oranges, um, we've been pretty much flatlining on on 50 million cartons a year um, of, of Valencia type or juicing type oranges. Um, and what we've seen in, in Europe um, is an increase in these uh, juicing machines. Um, and, and that's been quite interesting because that's taken a certain size of, of oranges uh, in, for those different, for those machines. So we've, we've definitely seen an increase in demand on that side. Uh, definitely on the eating oranges side, on the navel side, there is a lot of pressure on, on that sector. And that's mostly driven, I think, from cannibalization of the soft citrus uh, of the uh, navel market. So in other words, people are preferring soft citrus over those eating navels. That, that's the younger uh, consumer, is it, uh, Justin, or generally? Yeah, I, I would say it's, it's, it's the younger consumer. It's a convenient product, you know, um, much more convenient than the navel oranges. Mm. You know, the other one is the grapefruit. Uh, um, Chris, I, I think you're a, a grapefruit eater, but definitely I am. I love my grapefruit. And I think the, the problem is a lot of people um, think that grapefruit has got this very sour, tart taste. And we know that the new grapefruits uh, that, that are coming, especially the red varieties, are really sweet, got their own unique taste. Um, and we did a campaign a few years ago in the UK where we got people to eat uh, grapefruit over a 30-day period and they all changed their minds about grapefruit. So it's a case of just getting it into the consumer's uh, hands and getting them to taste it. But that often costs money. And unfortunately, when you've got a category that's that's not doing too well, you don't have the money to promote it to make it do well. So it's a, a bit of a category two situation. You're right about grapefruit. I do like it. One uh, citrus that I actually buy an awful lot of now, and that's because I find it in the stores and the quality is always very good, is pomelo. Uh, I really love it. And, and I like the fact that it has a long shelf life. Um, and I think one of the things that we're seeing in this coronavirus crisis that we're all going through and may it soon come to an end is that generally speaking, consumers seem to be going for, as it were, fruit that has a, a longer shelf life rather than being highly perishable. And, and there are people out there who say that this is going to be a kind of historic shift that we'll see 
in consumers going for um, this kind of longer shelf life fruit. Do you agree and do you think this spells trouble for, for easy peelers, which tend, of course, to have a much shorter shelf life? I definitely I do agree with that. It does seem to be a trend. I think when you when you compare easy peelers, maybe it's a good idea to, to compare them with other fruit rather than with other citrus types. So definitely the easy peeler will, will last longer than a peach or a plum or a sensitive fruit. Uh, but it isn't as it doesn't have as long a shelf life as as your oranges do, although there are different varieties of easy peelers and some of them do last longer than others. Mm. So I think it's a case of the consumer getting to know which easy peelers are which. Um, but uh, you know I think also the other thing is is easy peelers with their convenience to eat they they do get eaten quite quickly. When you go and buy a bag of easy peelers, you'll 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 eat them. Um, you know, in, in a shorter space of time than maybe a bag of, of oranges. They certainly do, yeah. And in easy peelers, there seems quite a lot of confusion. I, I detect anywhere out there from conversations I have with people I know and friends and so on. And they're kind of a bit confused as to the number of different varieties that are there and why they're not always available and, and so on. Is there anything you can do to address this uh, particular issue? It's a, a long-term kind of promotional uh, challenge, is it? Yeah, so so what we've noticed at one of the the bigger brands here in South Africa is that is they want their brand on on the shelf all year round, not necessarily the same type of easy peeler inside the packet. Um, so they they've got certain specs in terms of of quality specs in terms of sugars and 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 pips and and those sort of things. Um, and and what they try and do is is promote the brand. So a person going into into the store will look for that brand and know that they'll get a certain taste and a, and a, and a certain eating pleasure from it um, rather than necessarily going in and asking for a specific type of easy peeler. So I think perhaps that's that's going to be a trend going forward um, because a lot of these easy peelers are seasonal. So you'll have them available at certain times of the year and not at others. And, and what you want the consumer to do is to go in and, and look for easy peelers year round rather than one type of easy peeler. Mm. And then there are, of course, easy peelers that I, I know they all taste great, but there are some that are greater than, than others. And, and this also seems a problem. There isn't so much that consistency of, of flavour that you often look for. Um, to this question about the, and I think I, I mentioned at, at the top of the programme, that citrus seemed to be in something of a, a long-term decline not that long ago. And the future looks much brighter these days. Um, do you think it's just a cyclical thing? Do you think that there are going to be harder times ahead of you? And what might it be that causes those harder times? You know, Chris, it's a, it's a funny thing. I've been saying to the lemon growers that the lemon bubble is going to burst. And I've been saying it for the last five years. And every year we get good returns on the lemon. So um, <laughs> I, I don't want to make too many predictions. But I mean, cycles are reality. And cycles and uh, uh, food and agricultural products are definitely a reality. Um, farmers will chase the product that's making the most money. They'll plant more. Um, they will then oversupply and, and prices will come down. People will take the product out and then, and, and so on. So definitely, I mean, in terms of citrus, there's, there's increased plantings of citrus around the world, not only in South Africa. And we see that in lemons and soft citrus. So the, the reality, I, I believe that we're going to get to a position where supply will exceed demand and prices will come down and we'll see some, uh, recalibration and people taking out orchards. Um, but I think our job is to to try and keep ahead of that curve and to find new users of our of our product and also new uses. Um, you know, we did a big study in the Middle East 
in Saudi Arabia, and we found that people there actually use their lemons for a number of purposes other than just uh, adding them to their meals, etc. They they actually cut them in half and use them to clean uh, surfaces in the kitchen, etc., which yeah. was you know didn't know about. So those new uses, we should promote them and um, and and find ways of actually keeping uh, the, uh, the the supply within the the demand. So in other words, just increasing the demand so it keeps up with the supply. You're, you're a man I, I've known for many years, and you've always been an, an optimist. I've always got the impression. Um, nevertheless, this this kind of imbalance between supply and demand that you're worried about how how far down the track is that, um, in in your opinion? Yeah, looking looking at the volumes that I've seen coming from from all the markets, I think it's almost upon us. And um, you know, already last year we saw some of the returns coming down, specifically in the easy peeler category. So. Um, I do believe that it's with us, uh, and I think that the country that, uh, the, or the countries that can can produce the better uh, eating quality fruit, will will stay ahead of the curve, uh, and those that perhaps are growing it in in more marginal areas, including more marginal areas in South Africa, will find that they, um, just aren't finding uh, markets for their fruit, and and will have to uh, go across into some other product. Mm. Now, now this, I, I guess, is going to be one of the subjects that you'll be talking about a lot at your uh, at the World Citrus Organization. You've you've recently constituted the organization um, at the start of this year, I think it was. Tell us more about it, Justin. What what's been happening, and what's what's the news? Well, I, I think it's a it was a very timely thing to to form this organization when we did, because definitely citrus seems to be, if I can put it this way, the flavor of the month in terms of of many consumers seeing it as a remedy for, for colds and flu. Mm. Um, and there is a big demand in, in a lot of markets for citrus at the moment. Um, there was There is great interest from the citrus producing countries around the world. Uh, what we need to do now and what we are doing is just securing the members, um, the, the, the virus and the, the disruption to meetings, et cetera, means that some organizations haven't been able to constitute uh, their boards, et cetera, to get final approval. So the Secretariat is busy just getting all of those people signed up. Um, we're busy now with the Southern Hemisphere Estimate, um, which we hope to get together perhaps by the end of April to give a good idea as to what's happening in the Southern Hemisphere um, citrus production and, um, and and what's going to be coming in terms of exports. And then uh, we still plan to hold a, a seminar in October, probably half a day seminar just to um, give members some updates in terms of, of volumes and in terms of... of um, of the citrus sector at large. So those are the plans going forward. So it's, it's, it's about bringing a kind of level of transparency uh, on some pretty basic things between some of the key players in the industry. Is that it? Absolutely. I, I think there, there are a couple of uh, purposes. One is to have good, reliable data. So we don't rely on, um, on, on other people's information, but to get directly from the different countries involved in the, in the WCO. And then secondly, just to promote the sector, get it on media like we're doing now, get people to talk more about citrus because, um, you know, we see it happening in other sectors uh, where they have global bodies and where they can promote their sector. Um, and that's that's the other objective. But, but that's very much a, a business to business uh, uh, ambition at the moment. You don't see it as ever becoming a business to consumer kind of uh, um, thing, do you? Yeah, so Chris, I think it'll develop as we go along and it'll be member-driven. Um, but I, I do believe that it, it could very easily um, spill over into into trying to uh, get it into the 
the minds and the um, the view of the, of the consumer as well. So definitely, I wouldn't uh, say we, we won't look at that. Good. Fascinating stuff. Um, that's all we've got time for today on Fruitbox. I was joined down the line from South Africa by Justin Chadwick, Chief Executive of the Citrus Growers Association of South Africa. Justin, it's great to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed for your time. And your pleasure. Thanks, Chris, and stay safe. Thank you. Just to remind you that you can find today's conversation at Fruitbox and the many others I'll be having over the next few weeks and months on our website, fruitnet.com. You can find Fruitbox also on most podcast platforms. Just search for Fruitbox. And as I said at the top of the show, we're getting lots of listens since we launched a few weeks ago. It shows there's a real interest in the conversations I've been having. If you want to feature in a future episode of Fruitbox, then just get in touch with me via email. My email address is chris at fruitnet.com. And don't forget to download our new mobile apps, which we're launching in April and May. They're especially designed for your mobile phone. We've developed them with the same people who do The Economist and other great magazines. Take a look. I'm sure you'll like them. That was Fruitbox, and this is Chris White. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.